And it's they, look, it's still growing on me that music, Andrew. And I think the other listeners out there, I'm sure it's going to grow on them. It's got such a good sound about it. Um, so we're yeah, back the, again. Yeah, the, the only issue I've got with it is, you know, we have got, you know, there's going to be problems with supply of soaps and stuff, and you know, and washing powder and things. And maybe this washboard should be used by people, you know, in, in in the Melbourne lockdown zone. You know. You know, let's not be too let's not be too uh, cocky about the lockdowns. I'm feeling sorry for those people in the urban settings and with this virus, it can get it can pop up anywhere, mate. So us uh, regional yeah. people, we should just be um, as, as, very as, very as, humble. As country boys, and and I can <laughs> I can see the border from four kilometres away. So you just it, made it, 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 it could it could yeah. quite quickly envelop uh, my little country town here. That's it. You just made it outside the, the dome getting dropped down on uh, suburban Melbourne. You only just made it out of the zone, so I wouldn't be too cocky if I was you. And, and certainly even places that are outside of uh, Victoria, it's a type of thing, I, I think, with this virus, why there's no uh, vaccine available, uh, it could pop up anywhere and we could see... Could happen um, a half dozen times. That's it, rolling lockdown. Just like that Imperial College of London report that came out early in the setting that we'd spoken about before, um, you know, this, this is not going to go away in a hurry. Unfortunately, it's going to be problematic for a lot of businesses and a lot of people. But just uh, thoughts go out to them. But let's, so, let's move so, on to bigger things, Andrew, this week. What, uh, so what, 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 you been up, what have you been up to this week? It's been uh, pretty, you know, pretty, it's, uh, pretty quiet. Quite, quite weak for us. We had, for those uh, people that follow us on uh, Twitter at Meat Watcher and, and Wheat Watcher, um, they might have seen that we've um, announced our, um, our new venture. Yeah, so, a rundown on that one, Andrew. So, we'll do, like, I don't want to labour it, and we'll just have a, a really quick one on this because we want to get into the nitty gritty of it. <clears throat> uh, we, for anyone who's listening, uh, we we left uh, our previous employer at the start of June, and, and since then we've we've gone into a venture with uh, elders. Uh, we're we're a completely separate entity, uh, operating under an independence charter, which which the two of us developed. Uh, which effectively says that you know we write analysis articles and we write uh, and we provide advice to to people based on independence, objectivity, creativity, and originality. And so the idea is that you know it's true independence in what we produce. You know we we do the work with without fear or favour. And and yeah. Uh, we, we sort of look forward to having the resources of a, of a big company, but whilst having the independence to, you know, assist people in the industry. That's yeah. right. I mean, it, it was actually a credit to the, to the team at Elders that um, they were pushing for that level of independence in it. And with the um, other groups that are in a similar situation, that's the Thomas wow. consultants. And, and, and this is a separate, separate entity, this podcast to, uh, work right. at Thomas Elders Markets, so it's. Uh, no, that's right. This is our private podcast, and, and this, this is our yeah. our hobby. That's you correct. Know. So yeah, so that's basically what it is. We're uh, we're, we're moving on, and uh, we're pretty excited about what happens. So, mm. so so the podcast, just to be clear, the podcast is is a separate entity to TEM Thomas Elder Markets, and Thomas Elder Markets is a separate entity from the bigger Elders Group. Um, we've got that independence and that um, integrity intact, and that's um part of what attracted us to this uh, new proposition. So we're very excited to um, get out there and provide um, good quality analysis to the agricultural sector. Which people have become accustomed to over the past couple of years. So talking about that, uh, do you want me to head off and just see what's yeah. um Yeah, I was, I was sort of, uh, you know, with the, with the, what happened with the exports? Of yeah, so we had the export, yep, export numbers came out uh, late last week. So we've had a chance to crunch numbers on those. Uh, interestingly, uh, first time in a while, we've seen a bit of a 
reduction in exports to China. But in saying that, the uh, April and May figures were elevated. Um, and while uh, June is, is, is down a bit, um, they're still above average. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. Um, exports to Japan were below average. So that one was a bit of a concern. And that could be just the extension of, um, I don't think um, the COVID situation in Japan is really under control fully there. Um, you know, it's probably still low if you look at it compared to South, um, you know, South America and certainly North America and other areas uh, such as India and stuff. But um, from an Asian perspective, it's, um, you know, I think they're still kind of grappling and it's probably impacted some of the food service sector there as well. So Japan was the big one in the beef space that was um, much lower than average. But on the positive side, we saw uh, an uptick in uh, beef exports from Australia to the US. So that's for the first time since the very start of the year, we're back at pretty much seasonally average levels. So that's been steady riser since April. And uh, South Korea was also up. So we, you know, we lost a little bit in a couple of markets, but picked up a few in others. So it meant that overall beef exports are only a little bit below average for this time in the year. Um, and the other thing that we'd spoken about, Andrew, at the last podcast was to do with um, the sheep, uh, sheep exports, sheep and lamb, oh, yeah. and lamb how, exports. How yeah, so um, they uh, were a similar situation, I guess, um, in terms of uh, in terms of the beef space, we had um, a couple of markets that um, were doing okay, and a couple that hadn't. So the top two markets, both for lamb and mutton exports for Australia, are both the same. They're um, USA and China. Um, now I know when I spoke last week on the podcast, I'd said that some of the movement down in prices domestically, for certainly for trade lamb, could be on the back of um, issues around the export market demand. But um, looking at the June figures, we've actually seen um, USA and China both performing very well in June for lamb exports. Um, above average, both of those, and in, Ch in China's situation, very much above average, um, mm. even outside the normal range. And for mutton, we also saw um, USA um, increase again in mutton uh, to get you know, very much above average as well. So um, China was just slightly below average for mutton. So the two biggest markets actually have been not too bad. Um, what was the, the telling point was some of those other markets, certainly um, uh, places like Saudi Arabia for mutton, very much below average. And all the other countries, I guess if you took the top four markets out uh, for mutton, all the other countries that take um, products, they were very much below average. So it's looking as though um, some of this COVID scenario that would be impacting demand in all those other countries is starting to potentially play out um, and that's maybe what's um, impacting upon these markets um, you know the, the top one and two for both lamb and mutton doing well but it's the all the others that are just kind of um, dragging their heels a little bit and I think that's what's uh, flowing through to uh, to a little bit lower demand coming all the way back to the sale here just because um, I'm presuming those um, export advertisers and buyers there are uh, finding that their orders are, um, are not what they would hope them to be um, so that's kind of what's happening in that space. Um, it's going to be it's going to be volatile, though, isn't it? Like just this whole environment at the moment. Like you saw last week, end of last week, I think it was. Uh, China banned, I think, four abattoirs in the Netherlands. Yep. Followed by a and couple, there was a, couple, yeah, couple and more had, in Brazil. Yep, and they had that ban on the German uh, pork uh, meatworks as well, just because they said that some COVID come through on product or something, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think that's just going to be—it's going to be on and off. It's going to be like a yo-yo, probably for the next six months, because there's just mm. going to be like, like, like we're seeing in Melbourne. There's going to be more and more second, third, and fourth waves. 
Well, we've actually had this week two abattoirs uh, in Victoria, JBS, and uh, I can't remember the name of the other one, um, that, uh, that have had a worker each in those that have uh, come down with the virus. And um, so then they're obviously having deep clean throughout the product, you know, the, the uh, shot of the floor there and the, um, the workspaces and also then testing all the staff. So um, that's the kind of thing that you don't want it to get out across in, the Like inter in, Interestingly though, when you actually look at it, like the risk of, say for instance, meat being contaminated in mm. the Netherlands and making it to China and still, and by the time it gets through the whole supply chain, actually being able to cause an infection. Mm. Like I was talking to, to, to somebody on Twitter about it and they're, you know, very switched on when it comes to that type of thing. And, and, and their sort of view was that it would be nigh on impossible. I got the impression. Yep. So, but yep. it's a lot of jumping at shadows at the moment because there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, for those people that want to see some of that, we did put a few of those charts up on uh, social media. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can probably get them on our individual accounts, but if you can't find them there, you can actually go to the, the TEM accounts on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn, and there should be a swagger charts that have been up there if anyone wants to look more closely at those export numbers and get a visual as to what we're talking about. Um, the website there won't be up and running for another couple of weeks, but obviously when that's up and running, we'll be providing um, a free, a free. Uh, well, you've got to subscribe to the email, but then you're going to get free stuff coming to you fairly um, regularly. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, back in action this week. Got a bit of bit of press this week as well. You did, yeah. You uh, you want to give us a rundown of what what, what you've been doing because the, the grain market probably has been as interesting, I guess, as the livestock space. Oh, I, I, guess, I guess I've been spending a bit more time just catching up, collecting data, and mm -hmm. and uh, which is which has been which has been good. It's been able to actually really do a spring clean and, and actually create data sources from scratch that will be uh, in good templates. But anyway, I got a, I got approached uh, pretty much the second day of our operation, I think, uh, by uh, by. Andrew Miller or journalandy26 on Twitter. And, and, and he was asking me, he said he was struggling to get some data. And so he, he approached me and said, oh, have you got any data on uh, sheep versus cropping? And I thought that was an interesting one because uh, it's something that in the past, that the two of us, we, uh, we were heavily involved in writing a report on that very subject uh, in regards to the, uh, the Geelong sale yards back in, 17 where it been 2017 yep, right. yep. Yep. And anyway, so, so i went and thought well quickly i know what the data is you know you can get a bit of data on mla but but on a bears uh, so I quickly scrambled to get it all together and uh yes it makes a really interesting chart you know you can just see from 1989 uh from then onwards sheep numbers dropping cropping acreage rising so it's really yeah, pretty much from the I, I like you're into all that charting and stuff and whatever, and it's I've I think they call this one a St Andrew's Cross, uh, saltire <laughs> chart pattern. Mm -hmm. is, is that a thing? Not not sure about that one, but uh, it, is, it is now. I'll write a paper yeah. on it, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll keep that as RIP the salt saltire cross. So so yeah, it was like really interesting. If, and, if you're uh, going to take that as your IP, can I take the phrase "dead cat bounce" as a, as one of my IPs? Is that Ah uh, well, I think what we can do is we can maybe we can uh, Australianize it, you know, dead possum bounce or something. Mm. You know? yeah, fair uh, but yeah, it was just interesting to see like how much like it's it's a correlation of like zero point eight or something between number of sheep and cropping acres. Mm. 
yeah. and it sort of points towards largely you can imagine that that is due to uh, uh, people moving into cropping and away from sheep and i think it's it's, right. a, it's it's my view is from a basic point of view it's good to have some diversification in an enterprise yes yeah i agree and i've got a feeling that over the course of time a lot of those skills will be uh will be lost to the industry and yeah we had a, we had a question on we had a question on twitter today just regarding that from one of the subscribers saying what what's been driving that move into cropping and away from sheep um and they were asking was it drought related but it, i mean really if you look at the timing you said was spot on andrew in that 1989-1990 period was when the for those that are in the wool space the reserve pricing scheme uh, um, true, pretty much true. collapsed and so you had a a significant um, drop in price I, for wool. I, I remember that when I was four years old yeah. living in Scotland. <laughs> so. Yeah, and a huge, uh, a huge stockpile, of course. And and um, so it took a number of years to clear the stockpile, and for a good while, uh, the price of wool was quite depressed and um, pretty gloomy outlook. And I think that started the the, the move away. Initially, it was a movement out of wool, and but then as as you got into the early two thousands, you saw the burgeoning of the uh, lamb and sheep export markets so then you s continue to see a move away from wool but then there was you know a bit of a transition in terms of the flock from being wool um, based predominantly to being meat sheep um, and prime lamb type operations so but I think what also was driving it was that you know just generally speaking whether it's meat or wool um, it's a much more labour intensive operation um, that sheep game compared to sitting in a air conditioning tractor you know, when you're out marking lambs or uh, crutching or doing whatever, you're out yeah, amongst the, the dust and the flies and the heat. Possibly a lifestyle thing, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and what's interesting about, we'll, we'll sort of probably bring it to an end, but what's interesting about that article is, 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 is the impetus for making that article. Mm. And it started off because Grain Corp's expanding the Berry Bank site. You know, big major expansion in what was previously a sheep area. Mm. And look, I recommend, I thought it was a good article. Uh, but I recommend you get on stock and land. It's called the title is Grain Corp's Berry Bank Expansion Echoes Growth in Cropping. Pretty long title, but good article. And oh, it's catchy though. It's very catchy. And uh, but yeah, it was it was actually good. Uh, you know, when I opened up the article, it was good to see a familiar face. You know, <laughs> one of our old colleagues, uh, leading market analyst uh, Robert Herman, was was part of it, and it's good to see you know a number of different views in that article. So yep. good on you, uh, good on you, Mr. Miller. Okay, we uh, we thought it was a really good article. Um, yeah. So yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting thing, and I think I might spend some time actually expanding upon that over the over the coming weeks. You know, there's a few suggestions about adding DSE onto it, and uh, you know, looking at other states as well. And you know, sounds good. So so yeah, episode number three. Uh, you know. That's it. You know, it's don't been, get uh, um, don't get too shy out there, listeners, to um, get in touch to um, give us some um, feedback about what you think, and also um, any ideas you'd like to just cover up on. Um, yeah. We are going to have some guest speakers coming up shortly, aren't we? Gonna have yeah, to yeah. To have we, a bit of a yeah, with, so we've uh, just in the process of uh, trying to penciling a time and work around internet connections because. Uh, <laughs> Organise their contracts, you know, for what we're going to pay them to come on. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, just if anyone does want to come on a show, just remember it's, this isn't, a, you know, you could be in for uh, some money or some, something special. Uh, when I say money, it might be monopoly money, but, mm -hmm. you know. Well, uh, anyone, anyone that comes on, Andrew, can, can earn double what I'm earning from this. 
I reckon that's a fair. That's a fair. Um, yeah, well, I'm I'm happy to to give you know 100% of my earnings. Mm. Like I'm like 100% of my earnings from this podcast. You know, have it. So, the end of another podcast. Uh, if you could do us a massive favor, uh, please like this on uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever else. Please share it with your friends and family. Uh, send it out there. Uh, the more people listen, the better. Again, this is really just an opportunity for the two of us to have a chat and catch each other up on the markets, but we thought we might as well record it. So, thanks very much. And uh, get the banjo out, Matt. And, That's uh, it, Andrew. I've, we'll I've see got, you. I've got the washboard. See you when you got nothing on, mate. Catch you there. Bye-bye.